Mark 6, 30 through 44. Jesus feeds the 5,000. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote area, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to their surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He said, go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people set in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of fish and bread. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you bow with me? Oh Lord, we pray for your blessing upon this, your word. And as always, make it be for us the word of life that we might be people of life. And now, precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak. I am worn. But through the storm, through the light, lead me on to the light. Take our hand. Precious Lord, lead us home through Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Let me give you a little bit of insight into my life. Last week I came to church. I was wearing a dark suit with black socks. My wife looked over at me as we were on our Zoom Sunday school class. I had my leg propped up over the other and she looked she looked down and she saw that my socks were scrunched down to the bottom of my feet. She said, pull those socks up. So I pulled them up. It wasn't three minutes later and those socks had crumpled all the way back down again. She said, we have got to get you some new socks uh, today. Today, I can't stand it any longer. And so we went to the outlet mall. We very seldom go and do any kind of shopping on Sundays especially, but 
uh, we, she couldn't handle it any longer. I had, to have, I had to have some black socks. And I don't know if you've been by the outlet malls uh, here in the last few months. I don't know if it was just last Sunday. I don't know if it was because they were having an 80% off on one of my favorite men's store or what the deal was, but there, there were hardly any parking spots at all. It was an absolute miracle that I found a parking spot. Have you ever have you ever said something like that to yourself during the Christmas season? Maybe it was uh, the day before Christmas or uh, uh, during the the month before Christmas at the very height of the shopping center or the shopping season, and you finally you've searched, you've driven around time after time through the mall parking lot, on you and you find a you find a parking spot, and you say, "Wow, what a miracle!" Or, or it may be, it may be that when you see a sunrise, you look at that sunrise and you say, what an absolute miracle. Maybe you remember the Winter Olympics in 1980. Some of you may be too young to remember the Winter Olympics in 1980. It would, took place in Lake Placid. Uh, one, of the, one of the great storylines of that Winter Olympics was the United States hockey team. We were a, our, our hockey team was made up of all amateurs uh, and many of the other countries, they had loaded their hockey teams with really, th- many of them were NHL players, professional hockey players, not only from here in the United States, but from around the world and the Soviet Union the former Soviet Union, Russia as we know it today, but the former Soviet Union, they were absolutely packed with some of the greatest hockey players, not only in the world at that time, but really some of the greatest ever hockey players. And the Americans had begun to make it through the medal rounds, and they were really was almost in the semifinals or the quarterfinals of the entire tournament. And, and you remember what happened? These amateur Americans, these amateur, these amateurs, there were, if we can maybe go to our, I think I have a, a slide about this, those amateurs, do you remember it? On the, in, the, in, the waning, in the waning seconds of that hockey match, do you remember the call from Al Michaels, one of my very favorite sports announcers? He said those immortal words, do you believe in miracles? Yes as the Americans pulled off the victory and they went on to the gold medal round and and actually won gold medal that year. It was a miracle. In fact, a movie has been made uh, about that event and the title of the movie is A Miracle on Ice. Or maybe, maybe you have have heard of, of this woman, Mario Rubio, if my clicker will work. I don't know that my clicker is working. Not sure what's going on there. Um, Mario, Maria Rubio. Uh, She lived in Lake Arthur, New Mexico. And in, in 1977, she was, in 1977, she was uh, cooking a tortilla for her husband in 1977 there in New Mexico. And as she began to wrap up that burrito that she had made for him, she looked at that tortilla and she saw it was about a size of a of a thumbprint she saw on that tortilla what she thought looked like the face of Jesus 
A miracle, a miracle, she said. And so she began to, she began to show that tortilla with, with her friends and with her family members. I have a, I have a picture of that tortilla from 1977. If you want to bring, bring, there we go. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I've, lo- I've looked at this tortilla multiple times. I've been looking at this tortilla for a number of weeks. I've still yet to see the face of Jesus, but she was, she was convinced that she had seen the face of Jesus. And so in 1980, she set up a roadside shrine. The, the name of the shrine is actually the Shrine of the Miracle Tortilla. In that first year, 35,000 visitors visited that shrine of the Miracle, miracle Tortilla. A tragedy struck in the year 2002 when um, Maria's great-granddaughter took the tortilla that had been sitting there in that in that small shrine and it had been baked by the New Mexico Sun her great-granddaughter brought it to show-and-tell one day and she accidentally dropped it and it shattered into pieces and there there went there went that shrine to the miracle to the miracle tortilla today we are talking about the miracle of the of the, of the loaves and the fishes and how God used just five loaves of bread and two fish to feed over 5,000 people. Years ago, in, in one of my very first churches that I pastored, I did, a, I did a sermon series entitled Lessons from the Pews. Sermons from the Pews, that's what I called it. And I had asked people in the church to submit questions to me. I was, I was new in ministry and really kind of struggling with what to preach next. And so I asked them, what would you like to hear sermons on? And I had three or four, three or four folks in that, uh, in that congregation ask me this question, what about miracles? Are we really to believe? Are we really to believe that God sets aside or God supersedes the laws of of physics and nature? Are we really to believe that? Are we really to believe that? And so all those years ago, I began to really wrestle with that question. I began to really, really wrestle with with that question. Indeed, in the New Testament, in the New Testament and really throughout Scripture, we have many, many miracles that we find in the narrative. There were 37 miracles of Jesus found in the gospel accounts. There's only one miracle that shows up in all four gospel accounts, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that is this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. It's astounding. So as Mark sets the stage, and really as we began to piece this story together, taking all of the gospel accounts all together, we find in Mark that Jesus had just sent out his 12 disciples. He had sent them out two by two, and he had told them of all the miraculous things that they had seen him do, they were going to do even greater things. They were going to do even greater things. And so they came back a few weeks later and they came back and they began to tell Jesus all of these things, all of these miraculous events that they had seen in their ministries. And, and they, were, they were exhausted after, after a couple of weeks of 
of ministry, night and day, they were absolutely exhausted. But people around the countryside, people around the, the, the northern side of the Sea of Galilee, they had all heard about the things that the disciples had been doing and the things that Jesus had been doing. And so they began to press in around them. Mark's gospel implies that Jesus and his disciples jumped in a boat in order to get away from the crowds, but the crowds knew where they were going. They could see them, likely see them, as they were rowing the boat there along the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus had compassion on the people, and the scripture says, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them. The disciples were beat. They were tired. They were exhausted. They had nothing else left to give. They had nothing, absolutely nothing. But Jesus said, these people, they, they, need, they need more of what you and I have. And so he had compassion on them, and he pulled to the shore and began, began to teach the people. And it was beginning to be late in the day, late in the day. Mark's gospel simply says that they found five loaves of bread and two fish. The other gospels say that it was a little boy who came forward with the five loaves of bread and two fish. Again, we are looking at these stories that are typically told as children's stories. Oftentimes they have children in the stories, and we love to tell children's stories about children in the Bible. But this seems to be a very simple story, that God used the faith of a young boy. And indeed, that is one of the messages of this story. But I think there, is a message, there are messages that are even deeper, even deeper than that. Notice, if you will, in verse 40. So he had them set down in groups by hundreds and fifties, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven blessed, broke the loaves, and gave it to the disciples. Does that sound familiar to anyone else? We'll hear this in just a few more chapters down the road in the last night, in the last night that Jesus was alive. As he has that last supper with his disciples, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and it gave it to his disciples, almost the exact words verbatim. And God miraculously used that event. God miraculously used those five loaves and those, and those two fish to feed. Now it says, it says those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. The other gospels say that there were also women and children present because this was largely a Jewish gathering gathering of people who were, uh, who were Jews, more than likely, at the very least, at the very least, in, in my estimation, at the very least, there would have been a man or a woman for every man and a, and a child for, for every family, at least one child. There were at least 15,000 people that day, and very likely, the numbers were much higher than that. They very well could have been 30,000 people. 20,000 people, around 20,000 people, were fed by five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, in today's time, I have talked with some of my clergy brethren, and I have heard multiple sermons 
on this. And they say, some say, that there was a miracle because the people began to share. That was the miracle. They were motivated by this young little boy who brought before the crowd five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus had asked the crowd, does anyone have anything to eat? And it was this this young boy that had faith, and he was the one that led the way in sharing. And all of a sudden, the people were shamed because they realized that they too had brought bread. And so they began to pull out of their robes the bread that they had brought and the, and the fish that they had brought. That's the interpretation of some. And I propose that those who interpreted this parable or this, this story this way, one, are not taking seriously the words of the Gospels. The Gospels make it very clear, very, very clear that this was an absolute miracle of God. It wasn't a miracle of, of people sharing. It wasn't a miracle of, of people sharing what they already had. No, God overcame the laws of physics and nature and he multiplied those five loaves of bread and those two fish. Jesus refers to it again and he talks about this miracle. You see, when, when we believe, when we believe that God does not perform miracles, then faith is simply about us trying harder. It's about us trying harder. If, if God no longer performs miracles, those who are known as cessationists, those who believe, and there are, there's a, there's a quite a sizable segment of Christianity that believes that God no longer performs miracles. Modern-day miracles do not exist, they say. They say there were different eras in the church. There was the, there was the Old Testament era, and God performed miracles in their midst. And God also performed miracles during the New Testament time, or at least during the time when the disciples were alive. But that era died when the last disciple died, they say. And so there are no modern-day miracles. But if we believe that, then faith is simply trying harder. That's what it boils down to. If God does not act on our behalf, is God, if God does not act in this world, if God does not have the power to supersede the laws of physics and nature, then we just need to try harder. I mean, if we want the world to be a better place, no need of wasting our time with praying. No need of wasting our time with studying of Scripture. No need of wasting our time waiting on God to do something because obviously He's not going to because He doesn't perform miracles anymore. We just need to try harder. We need to organize better. We need to protest louder. We need, to, we need to, uh, 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 to, to, to activate crowds upon crowds upon crowds to change this world because we can't rely upon God to do it any longer. But you see, dear sisters and brothers, we believe that God does work miracles. We believe that God does work miracles. Now, this does not say, hear me now, this does not say that we, that we shouldn't be joining together with those who are working for justice around the world. No, we need to be joining with them hand in hand. 
But we must have faith that God can and God will change our world. It is not solely up to you and to me to change this world. We must be partnering with the Lord of Lords and the God of Gods and the King of Kings. And faith isn't just about just trying harder. The Bible is not full of fairy tales. If, 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 if there are no miracles, modern-day miracles, well, then I hate to tell you, you and I are not forgiven because I promise you it is an absolute miracle that God forgives my sins. There's no other way to explain it. If God doesn't perform modern-day miracles, you and I are lost as lost can be because it's an absolute godly miracle that he forgives you and me. If miracles, if, mir- if God does not perform miracles, I believe I've got another slide. If God does not, if God does not perform miracles, well, then there's no need of praying for others. Why pray for others? Why pray for other people's healing? Why pray for the needs of others to be met? We don't need to pray at all. If God doesn't perform miracles, then we don't, we don't need to tell God anything. God's, just, God's not active in our world anyway. We don't need to pray. We don't need to, inter, we don't need to intercede. We, don't, we just need to do good. But you see, I believe that our faith, our faith tells us, Indeed, the, 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 the prayers of a righteous person avails much, the Old Testament teaches us. I believe that God indeed does perform miracles. God performs miracles. And this miracle that we find here in this Gospel of Mark and, and all of the other four Gospels, part of it is that it is a, it, it, it's a way in which God uses that which is scarce and He use it, uses it abundant, abundantly. And so, so let, me, let me share with you what that means, a little bit of what that means. God takes that which is in scarcity and He uses it abundantly. It means this, that God uses someone like me. Yes, even, even like me. I am a farm boy from Leedy, Oklahoma. I am absolutely nobody. But God has used even me. Five loaves of bread and two fish pales in comparison to the needs of the people There is no way, absolutely no way, 15,000, 20,000 people could be fed with five loaves of bread and and two fish. But God takes that little thing that that little boy had to offer, and God blessed it, and God used it for incredible things. God takes the ordinary and uses it to perform the extraordinary. That's what a miracle is. But I'll tell you, it's more than just the miracle of God using people like me and using God, God using people like you. I believe, I believe that God has the power. God has the power to supersede the laws of physics and nature. And I believe that God has the power to work miracles even in 
our midst. So I'm not necessarily going to ask you the question that Al Michaels asked all those years ago. Do you believe in miracles? But what I am going to ask is this. Do you need a miracle today? And I'm serious when I ask that question. Do you need a miracle today? Do you need the miracle of faith in the midst of this culture that is crumbling all around us? Do you need a miracle of healing when it seems like the doctors have no answer to this COVID, to, this, uh, to, to the cancer that you, may, that you may have been diagnosed with, with all of the other health concerns that you may have been diagnosed with? Do you need a miracle in your life? Do you need a miracle in your life when it looks like there is no possible way, no way at all that you could ever dig yourself out of that financial hole that you have found yourself in? Do you need a miracle? Do you need God to intervene on your behalf to change your situation, to change your circumstances? That's why we're here today. I don't know about you, but I came, I came today expecting that God was going to do something incredible, that God was going to do something miraculous. It's part of the life of this church. It's part of the faith of this church. I believe, I believe that God performs miracles. There's nothing too insignificant that God cannot and God will not change in your life and my life. Would you bow with me? As our eyes are closed, as our heads are bowed, I would just, I would ask that each one of us, we just take just a moment. As we begin to ponder our own lives, I, I, would, I would ask that you would just take just a moment and ask the Lord what He would have, what He would, what he would like to do in your life. Just simply take a moment and ask the Lord, Lord, what miracle do you need to perform in my life? It may be that there are some here today in person or joining us online and they have real questions, real, real questions about the validity of modern-day miracles. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's just simply the gift to believe and the gift to have hope that God can and will do something. Maybe it's a miracle to change our circumstances. Maybe it's a miracle of healing that we're going to be speaking of here in a few weeks. Maybe it's a miracle of faith. Oh Lord, we pray that you would speak to each one of us. We believe that you want to perform miracles in our midst today more than just hope for a new day, more than just crazy circumstances that seem like they may be coincidental, possibly. 
Lord, we need you to intervene on our behalf. And we need you to show up in powerful and mighty ways. Lord, we've all agreed on this day to open our hearts and to open our lives to your actions on our behalf. So, Lord, we ask that you would perform your work among us. We pray for your miracle to be brought forth today. We pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.